You're listening to Visions of Education, a podcast where we take a look at big ideas in education from different perspectives. Hi, I'm Michael Milton, a high school teacher from Massachusetts. And I'm Dan Kretka, an education professor in Texas. We're here to help bridge the gap between educators in the K-12 and those professors in higher ed. We hope this podcast will help bring those fuzzy ideas in education into focus. Dan, what have you been doing for your summer vacation? Summer vacation. Isn't that like a fun little uh, question to start us off? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I don't feel like I've had a vacation, even though I have been going on vacations. You've been Uh, going on a lot of little vacations here and there. Yeah, my wife and I, we do travel a lot, but I teach uh, several hybrid classes over the summer. So I'm actually teaching three classes right now. Oh, God. So no matter where I go, my students and their amazing work and our assignments kind of follow me around. And that's a good thing, but it doesn't ever feel like I have much of a break during the year. Yeah. What about you? You know, I've taken some days. I've gone to the beach a few times. I've played some video games. I've seen some movies. But for the most part, uh, I'm taking two classes right now because I'm, I'm doing a, a gamification certific- gamification and technology certification. So I've been working on a lot of different projects. So that's been keeping my days uh, actually pretty pretty busy. One thing in particular, I've been having a hard time this week. I'm learning a new program called Captivate. And it's like for e-learning. And I don't know how to use it. And I also don't know who I can ask. And that's actually kind of difficult. And so I've had a lot of hard time asking my classmates if they have access to it or if they've used it. I've talked to Adobe a number of times. They've been very helpful. They send me videos. But sometimes learning something in isolation is really difficult. And some days... I get really, really frustrated, and I've cursed a number of times. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, I think teachers do spend a lot of time learning in the summer, and sometimes with each other. I know I went to a lot of, like, workshops. I love – I went to the the Gilder Lehrman workshops. I mean, I remember a few years ago. Those are great. If you're a social studies teacher, you should apply to go to those and learn about historical subjects on some college campus somewhere in the U.S. But, yeah, it's cool because you have a community of people that you get to learn with. and. I always will remember when I did mine, it was at the University of Colorado, it was on environmental history. And it was really cool because we, the whole thing was set up as all these teachers, we all got to be learners with each other. Yeah. And it's kind of rare you get to do that in a physical space. You know, that's kind of difficult and doesn't happen very often. It's cool when it does. But, you know, there's, it's cool when we have our online spaces too. And we've talked about that a number of times, right? <laughs> and today we're going to talk about it even more because we have uh, one of my favorite people who's coming on, Andrew Swan. Uh, Andrew Swan works with us on SS Chat, our social studies chat network. And he's going to talk today about building an online flipped class community. Uh, Andrew, what's going on? Hey, good to see, talk with you guys. It's great to see and talk with you too. <laughs> Andrew lives like three towns over, but we have never seen each other in person. Yeah, I know. That's kind of weird, actually. We should probably get around to doing that sometime. Andrew, we've seen, we've worked a lot with you in SS Chat, but can you remind us and just tell us a little bit about your background in education? Yeah, sure. So I've taught for 17 years, it, always at the middle school level, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. I started off with uh, ELA and social studies and basically taking whatever kind of job I could get. So I, actually ended up teaching ELA for eight years solely at the eighth grade level at my school, even though history was really more of my background. But 
I love the LA though. Oh, me too. No, it's it's still it's still a story. Yeah, um, I feel like there's a lot of like history. cross. It's real. Yes, yes. There's so much like crossover. I love it. During my first year teaching, I was really lucky. I got to go to one of the high schools in my district and observe two teachers that had combined their classes. And so it was an AP US history and an AP American lit. I don't know if that's the actual name of the ELA class, but, uh, you know, the equivalent class. And they had a room with like a, a wall, like an adjoining wall that they could move. And so some days they would have their like English and social studies class separate some days they would take down the wall and have class together. Tear and then like the some, wall. yeah. <laughs> and some days they would, um, like one of the two would take both classes for the entire time because they had their classes back up. And so it was such a cool arrangement to like align books with what they were studying historically. I was always really jealous of that. If you did it today on days where they took down the wall, that would be Reagan days. And on days where they built a wall, that would be Trump days. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, Andrew, go back to your... It's less, less funny in real life, but yeah. <laughs> so you you taught LA, ELA for eight years. Yeah, ELA for eight years and then uh, voluntarily switched to teaching social studies, same same grade. And then the teacher who was my you know, team partner for social studies is now my content partner. Um, and yeah, the, the shift was, was a good kind of thing to do for me um, and led me down a few other paths, including, of course, getting into... SS chat and and various other things as well and um and also flip learning which I guess is part of what we're going to be talking about in a way today. So we've had Elizabeth Miller on a little bit ago talking about a flip community. You listened to that, right? What did you think? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, she said all the things. <laughs> yeah, so that was episode 49. So uh we're kind of this is like the second part in this. This is uh flipped classroom part 2. What is flipping look like in your classroom? What flipping looks like in my classroom is, I mean, if you're going to come in and see my classroom, it may not be very different from from other classrooms in terms of, you know, sort of active learning things or particularly the cool things that, that you like to do or or like to share with other teachers or, or family that you do. You know, the simulations, the, the class discussions that go to different levels and even some individual projects. So that's really what you'd see in, in the classroom. What the homework is doing, again, this is sort of the flip. The homework is what I used to do in class when they couldn't be doing those projects, right? Uh, going over the textbook assignment or doing the, the lecture or something like that or some combination. And I was a pretty good lecturer. I was pretty good at like presenting those kinds of things. But then I would have to send those projects home or maybe kids would start it or finish it during during class. So we do a little version of that that simulation. And I wasn't even sure if the kids were had necessarily gotten the, the information they needed until we're in the middle of the simulation and you realize a kid actually has no idea what a federalist is. Um, they're talking about federal government that exists today, for example. Um, or again, you get the project that is an actual mess and is about the the wrong Treaty of Paris or something, and you don't know until it's over. So what how you're seeing these, in my classroom... How do these kids not know this stuff? These are the right. basics. <laughs> well, that's it. They need to know, know the basics and they need a way to be able to check and find out even if they weren't in the classroom. And that's what, again, the video can provide for for everybody. And you can make sure that they got those basics. And that's what the homework's doing before they get to the, the deeper things, the discussions and projects in class. So on that on that end, I guess we we kind of, you know, because we've had the episode with Elizabeth Miller and we've talked about it so much. So how do you define flipping? Because so I'm kind of getting a sense of what it looks like in your classroom. But how, how would you define it? How would you explain it to someone if 
they didn't know what flipping was before uh, talking to you. Sure. If you think of the classical Bloom's taxonomy, right, the, the pyramid shape and at the top of it, what you really, really want students to be able to do is that creating, that evaluating, or at least up to that analyzing level for whatever topic it is, the French Revolution, the U.S. Civil War, for example, or some geography themes. You want them to be able to make something and really make it their own. But you can't throw them into to that. So what the flipping is, is what we used to, or I used to anyway, assign those as, as the, the projects that the kids would be doing at home. And in class, I'm trying to get that that base, that remembering and that the, the basics in, in lectric kind of form. What flip learning is turning that around. You're, you need to be in class to help them with that hard stuff, right? The creating, the analyzing, the deeper understandings. That's what they need you for as, as the teacher during class time. What they don't need you for so much is that the basic understandings, the things they need to remember, those vocabulary terms, those basics of the event that they'll apply and they'll analyze later on. So that's really what the flipping does is just what is going on in that group time, that class time. And it's really that's that quote hard stuff that I anyway used to usually send home is okay, now make that cool project and bring it in a few days later or do some dabbling of it in the in the classroom, but not really in the sort of structured kind of way and making sure that they had those understandings first. That's what flipping has really done for me. Have you seen like uh, an improvement of those projects from your students over the years? I definitely have. And again, we're able to do different different kinds of projects. And I mean, in one way, the improvement is that they have the basics down. They have those essential understandings of it. I don't have to uh, troubleshoot some of those things that I used to. So anyway, uh, any kind of DBQ essay, we do a couple of those. Um, any other kinds of deeper kinds of projects they've done, like uh, retelling a story of from the Revolutionary War, I know that they've got enough basics that when they do the little mini research about uh, the Swamp Fox, Francis Marion, that's an awesome one right there, or Deborah Sampson, for example, all these Revolutionary War figures, I know they've got the basics. They know where this story fits into the Revolutionary War uh, as a whole, for example, so they can dig deeper. And again, I'm there in class to help them where it is that they need for resources, for example, of, of recording the stories or doing the research. What have you been doing this summer? So when I started getting into um, interested in, in flip learning, and actually Elizabeth Miller is one of the blogs and, and Twitter contacts I first ended up noticing, and this is back in, uh, really started with my content partner in 2013. It was really the summer of 2014. I can vividly remember just thinking, you know, looking around at like Twitter uh, and, and some blogs and just thinking, you know, I just need to get myself out there. I saw some folks doing, doing blogs, so I started up my own. Ended up putting myself out there. And really, at first, it was more for me. It was more just sort of reflective blogging. And that's turned out to be really helpful for my own self just to look back. And I still do this sometimes. Look back, you know, a year ago, two years ago. You know, what was I dealing with then? What did I think was such an awesome idea before? The, the problem with that is when you're blogging and it, especially when you start off for you or you have like maybe one or two people who mention having read your piece, it, it really can be kind of isolating. And then Twitter is sort of the opposite, right? You're throwing yourself out there. And um I was trying to think of a way to sort of meld those two together. So that's part of what I've been working on this summer. Andrew, can you tell us about your work you've been doing to build an online flipped community to support you in your efforts? I mean, I definitely want to make sure other folks get credit. There are several Twitter hashtags that, again, first brought me on board. There's hashtag flip class. 
which I believe uh, Elizabeth Miller mentioned in, in her piece. There's also hashtag flipped learning is another big one as well. And there is a weekly flip class chat during the school years. Um, I believe Cheryl Morris and Andrew Thomason um, are the, the main, they're English teachers. Uh, one's in California, one I think is in uh, North Carolina. So they do weekly chats and that's that can be cool. Also the flipped learning network is another really good community that already exists. And one thing they started up is beyond Twitter, there's something called Slack and um, S-L-A-C-K. It's another app that, again, allows for similar kind of chatting, but you're not confined to the 140 characters of, of Twitter. So they've been working on that. So I want to make sure that that those groups get some credit, but there's still sort of a uh, and maybe you've experienced this too. Sometimes even in a, you're confined by the the limits of what you can tweet. And even on Slack, you know, how much can you type? And while you're typing, someone else is typing, and you've already, you know, the topic has moved on by the time you've gotten your thoughts together. Sometimes that happens to us. For a lot of teachers who maybe are just kind of getting into some of the online spaces to try to find communities like this, how did you find these hashtags and these Slack communities? Yeah, it's a great question. I think probably mostly from Google searching, not any more sophisticated kind of way than that, but just searching for, you know, certain keywords like flip classroom, you know, to find out how do I do this. And one thing I found would have been, again, other people's blog posts, which would have mentioned, I, I guess, uh, one of the hashtags, which then led me to Twitter. So it's sort of a, you know, lily pad kind of hopping from one thing to the next not really a, a specific path, but that's really a much more interesting kind of way, frankly, to to go on this exploration and to, to find what it is that you're looking for. And it just started from a, a simple web search. Hopping along lily pads is how frogs find their communities, right? I think so. <laughs> no, I mean, I remember doing the exact same thing. Like when I started getting into the social studies world, it was, I heard somebody mention SS chat and I just started looking around there and, you know, participating in the chats was the first step, but it led me to people's blog posts. It led me to people to connect with. I remember a few people right at the beginning, uh, Melissa Seideman and Sean McCusker, both actually video conference with my class to talk about how they can connect with communities online because I was just learning about it. And this is like in 2011 or 12. And it was, it's really neat to find all those resources because there's usually some place where you you're able to talk about stuff, but it's just like a branch that goes out in a bunch of different directions and you can find all kinds of cool resources. So why did you start your own flip blog community? What was the, um, what was like the, the spider bite that got you there? <laughs> the Radioactive spider bite. Spider bite. <laughs> when did I get bitten and superpowered? Um, I think it was something that's sort of built up in a way. It was two things co coming together. It was just going through some Twitter chats, including some uh, flip class ones where folks were just kind of talking across purposes and and uh, didn't have that sort of basis of, of common understanding. So we're kind of talking over, talking past each other. Some new teachers are throwing out questions. Some experienced ones are talking about their own, you know, deeper learnings or, or experiences with, with projects. And I think it also just came from a, of that other sense that's in my head of like, what's the best use of that kind of group time? And the best use of that group time is really sharing ideas that we've already got some kind of grounding in. So coming up with the, the flip blogs, um, I just sort of laid it out as like sort of a three-part sequence. What if you were thinking about a topic and then in the middle, you're writing a post and looking at other people's posts and hopefully even commenting on each other's blog posts. It's very satisfying to get those little comments on, on your post. 
And then the third part of it is the, the live chat. And then we can loop back into that whole thing with a new topic next time. And I just thought that might be like an interesting kind of way to link together people who are blogging on their own little islands and people who are tweeting in sort of a mosh pit, <laughs> as it looks like sometimes. What if we could get kind of blend those two together? Like an archipelago. Yes. It's your favorite word. It really is. That's a series of islands for those of you who are uh, not familiar, like Hawaii or probably Philippines. What makes a, like a blog post helpful, do you think? I think for one thing, just the fact that you can say more, kind of organize your thoughts, which again, sort of in, a, in other conversations with people far away, maybe harder to do or hard to do efficiently. A lot of this is about, I think about the what's the best use of group time. And I think about this as a teacher also. This is some of the sort of flipped classroom kind of mindset of what's what do students, and in this sense, what educators need in, in the community for it to be a valuable experience. So for my students, I try to make sure that's coming from with essentials from a, a, a video about the, the basics of the topic. For educators coming together, it's, uh, again, having read and, and already thought about the, the topic, sort of the pre-thinking, the preparation, and then when you come together, like I hoped for my students to do in the classroom, you can expand on those topics. You can improve your understanding of something. Um, you can really follow up when you have that, that limited group time, which again, for a live chat is usually half hour, an hour. And in the classroom, again, it's half hour, somewhere between half hour and an hour usually. Blogging is a, a different kind. You know, some, it's a, sort of like a, a slow chat in a way. And so what we have is a hashtag flip blogs. And this didn't even exist uh, really a, a month ago. This has kind of been building up in, in July and, and now into August. And so we just had our second flip blogs chat very recently, and we're trying to do these every other week. So for a flip blogs chat, the participants have read and sometimes even written a blog post about a single topic. So when we come together for the live chat, it's not just a random topic that we're brainstorming off the top of our heads, but that there are posts, dozen or more perhaps, that folks have written on the topic and already gotten their thoughts out once in a sort of organized way. And then we're able to talk about each other's things, notice some similarities about how teachers at all different levels have maybe tackled the same thing. And again, we've already kind of thought through our ideas and, and made some of the comparisons ahead of time. So it really can elevate the level of conversation at the, the live chat level with folks potentially all over the world. Can you give us an example about like one of the topics that the group might tackle and how people go about answering that? Sure. So one that we had recently was, it was sort of a two-part question to, to keep things going. Uh, how did you get started with flipping? And then what was your first step? And so we had, again, about a dozen folks uh, write about their stories. We had sixth and uh, seventh grade math teacher all the way up to a couple college professors of, of English and, and foreign languages. And so things that a lot of folks were saying, there were a couple books uh, that came up as a common topic. The most frequent one actually that came up was there was a specific student or a specific class that needed uh, a different kind of direct instruction. Uh, someone mentioned about having a, there was a very sick student who couldn't come to class. And so he made special videos for her. And then that kind of leaked to other students in, uh, in the science teacher's class. And kids said, hey, I'd like to learn that way too. Um, and someone had a, a similar kind of story about a, a class uh, trying to do an expert lesson 
that didn't quite go quite as well. So the teacher, you know, grabbed a webcam and, and had a video and sent it out somehow to, to students. And again, they said, oh, we really like learning this way. So it was really cool to get like these different kinds of stories that were similar perhaps in some ways, but also maybe unique to finding those those contrasts and those comparisons because we needed the whole story, you know, needed the whole context. And that's what we could get from the blog post. So what advice do you have for other educators who are trying to build their own community? I mean, I think the, the first thing to keep in mind is we all do want a community, even introverts. I know plenty of introverts, but they still want their own kind of community as well. We want to know that we're not alone. We want to get some kind of either validation, some people do, or at least uh, confirmation from each other. So having that in mind first is that is I think important that you're not the only one looking for a community and you're not the only one that will benefit from community. And another one is just, I mean, throwing it out there. I, this flip blogs thing I just literally put out and well, I've been doing a sort of personal challenge of blogging once a day and about partway through that month, one person tweeted, Hey, we should have a, a head to head battle about it. And someone else tweeted, no, we should actually like, uh, this should be more collaborative. And then this idea kind of came from it. So I guess the second thing would just be throwing an idea out there, you know, maybe sort of suggested or inspired by someone else and see if it sticks. And if it doesn't, if this had gone nowhere, then fine, we wouldn't be talking now and I'd be doing something else with my summer. But just throwing those ideas and as, as teachers, we've all we've all got them. So follow that bliss, follow that, that you know, that spark and, and see where it goes. I kind of want my blogging in to be Swap Fox. Is that taken? Um, some students, I had a year of students who called me the Swan Fox. Oh, uh, that's good. Actually. That's good. Um, do they ever, do your students ever say to you, stop looking at me, Swan? They don't know that one because that, uh, that, that reference goes right past them. So That's okay. That's I kind of want my generation to keep the <laughs> Billy Madison references to ourselves. The millennials don't need to know it. Or this is, we're past millennials now, aren't we? We're in generation... Generation Z, I think. They haven't been named yet. Yeah, it's too early to name them. Right? I almost I named know. my daughter Bella. That would have been horrible because then she would have been the main character of Twilight. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, that's that. good. That, you know, you, you made it out or she made it out. Yeah. I really do love and admire the, the way a lot of educators have created blogging communities, Andrew, because I think that it's such a productive way to think through your ideas and share them with others. And I think all teachers could really benefit from, from blogging in that way. That's it. It's just a comment of accommodation or commendation. Sorry, not accommodation, commendation. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today where I think you've shared a lot of good ideas for teachers who are hoping to jump on a few lily pads into their blogging communities. Excellent. I hope so. I hope so. And um, yeah, I invite anyone to check out hashtag flip blogs, even if you're not so much into flipping, but just maybe see what it is that we're about. It might give you some other kind of ideas, too. Yeah. And where else can people find you online? So I had mentioned before about setting up my blog. So that's um, www.flippingawesometeaching.com, which is such an odd like kind of name. And again, that came from just me not thinking anyone else would really end up caring about this blog. Um, so <laughs> It's a little awkward for me to share that because it makes me sound like so sort of arrogant and, and and so on. But also just the word flipping as an F word is just so, you know, usable. It's, and, um, and it's and flipping has, great. It's 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 it is flipping awesome. That's absolutely right. <laughs> great. And then you're also on Twitter, correct? 
Yeah, I guess I must have come up with that. Same. So yeah, flipping a teacher with a couple underscores around the A. Again, I thought that was cool at some point, and now I'm stuck with it. So. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's very cool. We will. So you guys can tweet Andrew questions about his blogging community and his flipping uh, experience, and we can continue the conversation online. So thank you so much again for joining us today, Andrew. Thanks so much for you guys, too. It was flipping awesome. <laughs> At the Visions of Education podcast, we are all about sharing the learning. If you're doing something fun, creative in education, or you just want to chat, tweet us at Visions of Ed. We're also on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, and many other places. So follow us. And if you write us a five-star review, we will read it on the air. It helps people find this podcast. So get to it and do it now. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dan Kratka. And I'm at 42 Think Deep. Until next time, this is the Visions of Education podcast, signing off.